welcome to Street Level Theology. I'm Gabriel Medina. And I'm Eric Cobb. In this podcast, we talk about topics through a biblical lens to help us live the life God calls us to live. We hope and pray that this podcast will encourage you in your obedience to God for His glory. All right, Eric. Before we start, I want to give you kind of an intro. Mm. I don't know if you were into commercials, but there's a commercial, I think, either like late 90s or early 2000s. It was a Nutrigrain commercial. It's kind of funny. A guy's like on the on the subway or something, and he's looking, he's hungry, he's looking mm-hmm. to, for something to eat, and he's seeing all these people eating on the subway, like guys eating a donut, mm-hmm. drinking a soda, and then he sees this attractive girl, and she's eating like a Cinnabon, mm-hmm. and he's like checking her out, and she's walking away. Do you know mm-hmm. this commercial? No. Oh, okay. And she's walking away, and he looks at her butt, and it's two big Cinnabons. <laughs> And the Nutrigrain commercial says, you are what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that's funny because I think that's similar to like, I'm going to, I'm going to tie it in somehow. Uh, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, wait, I, I, I thought we were, I thought I knew our topic, but yeah. now I'm not certain. <laughs> yeah. So I, the, what I was going to say is okay. that I think that's similar to um what we believe you oh, are okay. what you believe mm-hmm. yeah it's a funny thing but yeah thought... you, um yeah you, you might want to think about that as a sermon illustration yeah. uh, in the future <laughs> i'm not totally one to scratch or one to yeah, i'm not totally convinced it would be the best idea yeah but uh <laughs> that's awesome yeah you are what you are, you are what, what you eat, eat. yeah you are what you yes, believe and i true. think uh, there's a, a quote in one sinner say i do he said that in the first chapter, he said, mm. you know, so many people don't think theology is important, mm-hmm. but you are what you believe, like what True. you believe yeah. impacts the way you live. Right. And so that's what the Nutrigrain commercial strike. No, I, I see. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm I trying to it. argue my point. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but so I wanted to talk about the importance of theology because, you know, I remember there was a time where I was around a group of friends where they did not see theology as important hmm. and they, they didn't see it as a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I saw it as a huge deal. And so I just want to talk about that. Like what is Great. the importance of theology? Awesome. What are your thoughts? Well, everybody does theology, right? Everybody has some sort of thoughts about who God is and, and what he's doing. And I would just say, the most important thing, most important thing is that we would have the clearest, most accurate view of who God is and what God loves and what he's doing, right? So, you know, who God is like the attributes of God and um, what God loves, the commandments of God, you know, and then what God is doing, you know, this is the story of what God is doing in Christ this, these would be the most important possible things that you could know. And like your illustration of like, you are what you eat. Your view of those things is going to greatly See, now you're rolling your with life. It. I'm rolling with it now. It took yeah. me a little while to come around. <laughs> but uh, I mean, why would we want to settle for a very hazy, simplistic, unclear view of the most important being in the universe? Yeah. It just seems crazy. And I, I think maybe when people say that they're not into theology, they don't think it's important. They might have a 
they might not have the right conception of what theology is, or we might have a different definition of what theology is. But theology is, you know, it's the study of God. It's the knowledge of God. And yeah. so if they were Christians that didn't really think that theology was important, I think if you said to them, hey, what I mean by theology is having the most clear and accurate view of who God is, what he loves and what he's doing. I think they'd probably go like, oh, no, we like that. You know, it might be that they were turned off by maybe they're afraid. Yeah, Yeah, maybe they're afraid of conflict. I mean, that's a really important thing. People say, you know, theology or doctrine is divisive. Oh, we don't want to get too into it because then we might argue. And I'd be like, well, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we argued about theology, would it? I mean, yeah, like that would that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, we're not going to hate each other. We're it would be great if we kind of debated and discussed and. Yeah, it's because our only experience with some people's only experience with theology is division. Hmm. And so it's like, well, yeah. therefore, theology is bad. The- mm-hmm. Theology actually bears bad fruit. Right. But that's the sad thing is that we have failed at times. Like I've failed at times. There's a quote by Show Baraka in one of his songs. He's like, I don't study for my soul. I study for my foe. Hmm. He rhymes it though. He says it with mm-hmm. more swagger. You know, yeah. Right? Yeah. It <laughs> sounded better with him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I've noticed there's times where I study mm-hmm. for an enemy, for an opponent. Yeah. Not for my soul, not to. Yeah. So when I go to them, I'm not going, look at how great this is. I'm going, mm-hmm. you're wrong. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. And yeah, it sucks because there's a verse in Colossians 1 9 through 8. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul's praying that they would grow in wisdom of God and knowledge of God and his will mm-hmm. so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then this, this is cool, fully pleasing to him, mm-hmm. bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Wow. And so Paul is praying that people would increase in their knowledge of God and understanding of his will. Mm-hmm. And there's people out there that neglect it, but it's actually looks like a command of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love, yeah, I love how it linked belief and knowledge of God with life change and transformation yeah. Of course, we know that, you know, we all know believers that are wonderful, godly folks that either have a very simple theology or some significant errors in their theology, as far as we think from our perspective. And we all know people that have kind of that razor sharp theological acumen and they're awful people. Okay. Yeah. But the natural way that these things would happen or the, the normal biblical way that it would happen is that the more we know about them and the, the more accurate and clear our view of them and the more our hearts would be transformed as we see the beauty of Christ, you know, like it talks about in second Corinthians, as we see the beauty of Christ, we're going to be changed from one degree of glory to another and become more like him. Like that's yeah. the way it's supposed to work. And just because sometimes it doesn't work that way, doesn't mean that that isn't the way God's designed it. He has designed it that way, that the better we know him, the more we become like him. Yeah. And, um, and most of the time that is the case, even though there are exceptions out there, 
it's not the rule. Yeah. So what are some things that we should be doing? Like, what are some habits we should have to value theology? Like, is it just reading scripture or how do we go about growing in our theology? Mm-hmm. I, I think one start would be like, let's, let's care about all the details when we read the scriptures. Let's care about the details. Let's try to understand what the verse and the phrase and the paragraph are actually saying. And let's like try to press in as much to gain as much understanding as we can. And a lot of that's like slow down, you know? Yeah. That's uh, you and I have done it where we went through first Peter. And when we first met and we were going through first Peter and I'd say, okay, take these three verses and give me five questions of five, five things you like and five questions you have. Yeah. It was and painful then, for me at first because I'm yeah. so new. I'm like, man, this is boring. I don't even yeah. know anything. Yeah. But then you started noticing that there was cool stuff under every rock. Yeah. Like under every little phrase, there was something there and so many things that go unnoticed. And I think that's what happens when you start really reading slowly through a book of the Bible, maybe first Peter, Ephesians, whatever. I mean, you start really seeing some things and take what you see seriously. Go like, why is this here? You know, how's this supposed to affect me? And not just like glazing right over it, because I think our minds become so topical that, you know, we have vague notions about a bunch of things theologically, but no detail. And so that'd be the first thing. And then I think it's important to, well, I don't know if this is in the scope of what you're thinking, but there's, there's a couple of ways to look at the scriptures theologically. So you can look at the scripture as systematic theology where you have topics, you know, what is the nature of Christ? What is sin? Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Okay. Those are all like systematic theology topics. Yeah. It looks and, through, it looks at a topic and says, what does all of scripture say? What does all of scripture say about this? Yeah. 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 The person of the Holy Spirit, where are all the passages, you know, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, what are all the passages, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, that's systematic theology. And, you know, a great book of that would be something like Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, or Michael Horton has a great systematic theology or, um, Bavink, there's a bunch of good ones and the best ones will like show you all the verses, you know, just kind of boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And that's so helpful because you see that the, the scripture has a unified teaching yep. on all these topics that, you know, you can find something about the Holy spirit in the old Testament and it fits with the new Testament and all that. Yeah. And, and it puts there's all these little fragments together and makes them yeah. mosaic so you can yeah. see clearly. Right. And that's so exciting. And then the other way, the other kind of theology to think about is biblical theology. And the idea of that is like all the themes of scripture, it's the greater story of scripture. And that's a, that's a kind of a different way. It's more of like watching the whole story unfold. Good example of these two that I had heard, I think Keller said this, he said, with Lord of the Rings, you can read the Lord of the Rings straight through as a story, which would be like biblical theology, telling this whole story. Or you could get these encyclopedias of Lord of the Rings. So in an encyclopedia of Lord of the Rings, you'd look under like G for Gandalf and it would tell you everything about Gandalf from the whole thing. You know, it's like a systematic theology book. And he said, the encyclopedia is really helpful to understand the whole story, but it's not a great story. And so you're not going to read like a systematic theology book like Grudem's and really get a sense for the story. It's going to give you a sense for the details in the story. Yeah, and also the book, would be Thomas Shriners, right? The King. Yes, of Beauty. that's a great example. And what what he does is 
biblical theology tells you what the the author thinks on this topic right also mm-hmm. so he's like let's see let's look at john's letters and his mm-hmm. narrative and let's mm-hmm. see what he says about the word light let's see mm-hmm. what he says about mm-hmm. christ yep and it goes through instead of all the scriptures it goes through all mm-hmm. his writings mm-hmm. let's look at moses's writings mm-hmm. and it gives you a more in-depth study into those specific topics through books right and you're going to get a sense for kind of the unfolding of the story the unfolding of god the knowledge of who god is and what he's doing and and how it unfolded over time yeah and that's a different way of looking at it and they're both valuable you know they're both really valuable so you know on the theology thing as far as it being divisive or whatever you know in our church we have quite a bit of diversity, I think, theologically. I mean, we, we have a confession that we hold to and creeds that we hold to, you know, we hold to all the historic creeds, uh, hold to the Belgic confession, Heidelberg catechism. So we have these kind of like core standards. And then within that people in our church have some diversity about where they're coming from. And the thing that we want to be there is we don't, we don't want to have unity because we don't care about theology. We want to have unity because we care about the majors. And then yeah. we're willing in unity to debate and discuss and dissect, you know, the other issues, you know, with a sense of like, we're, we're centered around the gospel. We're centered around yeah. the great doctrines of Christianity. And then if we don't agree on something like gifts or in times or something like that, we're not afraid of that because yeah. we have this great unity. We can, we can discuss and debate and even argue over these things with a spirit of like, we're brothers and we're sisters. And this is, we have a unity there that is not threatened by some differences. And it's going to make us better. That's going to make us search the scriptures. Like a lot of us do look through a lens at scripture culturally. A lot Mm -hmm. of us look at scripture through the lens, the way we grew up, we see Mm -hmm. God certain ways. And so when we see, people who have different views it's going to force us to see scripture differently and might actually adapt a more healthy view of scripture Mm -hmm. but if we're only around people that we agree with all the time right we might miss out on something and there was one time i was talking to my sister about something kind of controversial and i said do you believe this because scripture says it because you Mm -hmm. can clearly look at scripture Mm -hmm. or because your heart tells you that that's how God is. And she said, honestly, Gabriel, it's because I just believe it in my heart. And mm-hmm. I was like, fair enough. I, I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I, I fell back a little bit cause I wanted to respect her, but I do think a lot of us kind of have that. And we don't like being challenged and we don't mm-hmm. like being wrong. Right. And um, Tim Keller also says like, that's when we made a Stepford housewife, God, Mm-hmm. where the Stepford housewives were robots, mm-hmm. a perfect wife, mm-hmm. everything that you wanted. And they never talked back, never did anything wrong. Never surprised, and, never, you know, didn't meet your expectations. Yeah. If God's a real being and he yep. is, then he's going to do all kinds of things that you didn't expect, maybe didn't like. Yeah. And the way we tend to find out those things is through being around other people that think differently still mm-hmm. under the heading of faith still right. under as christian mm-hmm. but they have differing views and it makes us wrestle with god and it, it will make us better 
Yes. It will sharpen us. Yep. And so yeah, yeah, because we all think our theology is right or we wouldn't hold it. Yeah. And we do need to be confronted by others and say, well, I see it this way. Well, let's dig in the scriptures and really see what's true and what's not. And uh, I think too, like, I just think that's really important to be at a community that isn't uniform. Like not everybody has to conform and, and believe exactly the same things. We all hold to the major tenets of the faith, you know, as defined by those things I mentioned. And then within those, we're going to, you know, have some diversity there where we're going to really discuss and, and debate it. And what I find in, in church environments where either people are, either they, they have to feel like they have to be uniform or they just are afraid of division in some way is that you'll hear people say, start to talk about, you know, something theological, maybe something a little deeper, maybe something controversial. And the person will say, oh, but it's not a salvation issue. Yeah. And what that means is we're going to stop talking now. And just when it's getting good, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. just when we were getting into something really interesting, something that maybe we don't get to talk about very often, maybe something that's, that has been controversial and, you know, like, let's try and figure this out. I mean, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children. Yeah. Like there's a lot of revealed things and we should try to understand all of them as best we can. And what better place in the church to operate out of a gospel unity and, and go like, Hey, you know, I see it this way, you know, show me why you think it's the other way. Yeah. I know. Cause if God is a real person, mm-hmm. it would and be is. nice and good mm-hmm. to know him for who he is. Totally. And it is our duty as believers and Paul's prayer for us that we would grow in knowledge of him. Totally. And um, there's one verse I wanted to share in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Isn't that cool? Like, don't boast in anything you have, Mm -hmm. but what you should boast in is that you know me. Wow. That's and why wouldn't we see theology as important? Mm-hmm. God does because yeah. theology is the study of God, personal to Him. Yeah, and it's it's what He wants us to do mm-hmm. to know Him. And I remember um, Sabo used to challenge people, and he would say, "What was the purpose Jesus came to this earth?" And he would go to John seventeen. Most people would say, "Oh, to die," and mm-hmm. John seventeen. Jesus says, verse three, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is the night before he dies. Mm -hmm. And he says, I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So the work wasn't to die, but the work was to actually get people to know God. Mm. And dying was a part of that Mm -hmm. to give access to God. But the end goal is for people to know God. Mm -hmm. And that is eternal life. That's great. 
And I think it's just so cool when we see the purpose mm-hmm. of Christ in his coming. He fulfilled it, he says, before he even goes to the cross. That's great. Any closing thoughts? Just kind of piggybacking on that. If there's somebody in your life that you really love and really desire and really think is great, you're going to know a lot about that person because you're going to be very motivated to find out about them. Particularly like, you know, if you think about your wife, you've spent the time to really know her because you love her. And that's what we're doing when we're doing theology Yeah, is we are wanting to know as much as we possibly can about the greatest of all beings. Yeah. And, uh, and for the sake of actually pleasing him, and communing with him and drawing as much of the blessings as we can that he has given us in Christ. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I like what you said. One of the first things that you said of how we can grow and study of scripture is slow down. Mm-hmm. And I, man, we're so busy. We just need to slow down and all of studying is like that. Just slow down. And you used to say that metaphor, chew the cud. Mm-hmm spit it back up and chew on it again and get Mm -hmm. everything out of it. Let's beat it out and just mull it over in our Mm -hmm. heads and our minds and let it produce something in us that we can't, we won't even know. Yeah. We won't even see for maybe weeks to come, Mm -hmm. but it's doing something in us. It's not pointless. That's good. Yeah. Let me pray for us. All right. Heavenly father, we believe in you as the almighty creator of heaven and earth and we believe in your son jesus christ and we just ask that you would give us your holy spirit and that you would help us to grow in knowledge of you and as we grow in knowledge of you that we would also grow in our prayer lives and it would push us to pray to you and love you and in that we would pour out to others just speaking well of you Mm -hmm. and as we speak well of you that it would not be divisive but it would actually invite people to want to grow in knowledge of you to want to seek you out and that they would want to know the creator of the universe because how good you are and how we we show off and showcase how good you are through our words and through our actions we love you we thank you for the forgiveness that you give us through christ we pray these things in your name amen Thank you for listening to this episode of Street Level Theology. Have a great day and I hope to see you next time.